guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are jumping into episode 405. Oh and my so God. even though there's some stuff in here that is a little tricky, a little difficult to navigate, I'm excited to be doing this episode because I'm ready to like move forward from something. Girl, my heart is at ease <laughs> after this one. Like, thank God this episode happened. Like, yeah. and I'm glad it happened soon. Uh-huh. Okay, like early on because this show would just drag it out and not not bad but i'm just like oh i don't like seeing my baby like that so yes I yeah got to, well we my ha- heart is at ease yeah because we had to go pretty deep into some arcs yes specifically one arc and it, so it took a couple episodes to mm-hmm. get to deal with it and then we'll see what's to come in 406 but anyway for where we are in 405 like yeah, yeah, I mean, it was good. Um, before we even get started, I want to jump in and I want to um, give a little shout out to my girl, Nicole, again. Yes, I received your message the other day on social media, but again, I've been so busy, I haven't had a chance to re- um, respond. So um, I appreciate your feedback and, you know, get me together real quick, y'all. She got me together real quick on the pink triangles, okay? <laughs> so um, I will have to do my research again and actually watch those movies. I know you sent me a list of things for me and Eshel to review uh, moving forward after Queers Folk. Um, so, guys, y'all seeing some options as well, things that y'all want us to cover, ideas for our, our, our next show that we're going to be watching. So, Nicole, thank you so much. Uh, as of right now, though, um, Ishelle and I, we have not had a chance to actually, you know, go through and uh, preview and review all of the um, all of the selections that you've chosen for us. Uh, we're focusing <laughs> solely on Queer as Folk right now, but yeah. close to the season five, when we come into an end, we would definitely dive into those. And um, let you know what we think and if we have any contenders for our next sessions um, that we're going to be doing for it. So, girl, keep them coming. The rest of our diners, y'all, go ahead and submit what y'all think we should be doing as well. We would love to take a look and see what we can get into. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I have a, a shout out, too. This is for Aaron. Aaron's from Vegas. Uh-uh. Come yeah. through. Come through. Uh-huh. With the Sin City. Yeah. <laughs> um, just wanted to send a quick hello to, hey, Aaron. to Aaron. Yeah. All right. So let's get started. Uh, we start with another day at Kinetic, and they have employees already. They got like, employees. It's, it, it came together. Yeah, okay. it did. Like, he was ready to get going on this. Yeah. Like, I wonder if he, like, poached any more of these people from Gardner Vance, or he probably just found a new pool. I mean, he probably found a new pool, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure, you know, Brian had been with the company before Gardner. I mean, before, um, yeah, Gardner was there. So maybe they all said, we love working with you. We want to come with you. We know yeah. your vision. We know your work. We know what you deliver. So we want to go with you. So, I mean, yeah. I don't think he had to go and steal yeah, them. Yeah, no, no, no. He didn't go, yeah. he didn't go steal he didn't them. But steal I them, would but not probably... be surprised if some were like, so here's my resume. Yeah, because like, <laughs> yeah, I would definitely be sliding my yeah, resume me too. Like, maybe over go, to Kinetic. Take me. Take me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Please save me. I'll take a pay cut for a little while. Just, that part. Yeah, please take me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Quick unpopular opinion. I like the idea of the converted bathhouse, but there is something about it that feels a little moldy to me. <laughs> well, his office is a steam room, okay? Like, yeah. Baby, it was always wet, like, okay? Because, you know, it's got the shower heads are still up in right. some spots, and it's like the wa- the rust stains yeah. from the water. Like, uh-huh. it just feels a little bit. I know. You yeah. walk in, got a little extra. Mm, I don't know. Why those, why those heads over there on the wall? I don't know. A little moldy, baby. A little mildewy. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> well, uh-huh. Brian is in his office, and Cynthia comes in with his coffee in the latest issue of the Heat magazine, which features Brian's honest um, ad for Indovir. And Cynthia says, like, this campaign is going to start a revolution. No, This is the no more BS era. And so really she's like, hey, we're changing the game. We're changing yeah. some things in advertising. Trailblazers. Yeah, well, that's kinetic. Yeah. That seems very much like kinetic. Uh, well, Ted is also there. 
And he has also hit the ground running. He There's a lot of paperwork involved with running your own business. And Ted is there to make sure Brian is dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, getting all that stuff set up. Girl, I hope he do better. Yeah, he did for his own company. Okay, a joke in poor taste. I'm sorry, y'all. Yeah. I, I had to hit him, bro. Well, no, he was on top of things. That that boy lied. He should have checked the boy. Yeah, okay. that's who he should have like, checked. Well, and I guess he did check him, but it was a fake. He didn't check him too closely. Right. Is what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Well, he also gives Brian a letter, and it's like a 12-step Valentine is what Brian <laughs> calls it. But that's part of his program, mm-hmm. part of making amends. Were you surprised that Brian was on his list of people that he was making amends with? Um, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, I was surprised because I don't know. Well, Brian is part of his friend circle. So, I mean, yes and no. Okay. Why are you making amends with Brian? You know, like, that's the question. Like, why? But then I I understand, like, he is part of your friend group and you feel like you disappointed your friends, you know? And also you, you, that's not the person who you are, nor want to be remembered as, you know? So, yes, I think he needs to ask for forgiveness. He want to make amends. So he can move forward. If he doesn't make amends with everyone that was in his close circle that he was with, that he let down or felt like he let down, then he's never going to get the progression that he needs. You know, yeah. so I think it was necessary that he did do it. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt about it. Like, even though they weren't besties, Brian is still his friend and he would have been affected by Ted's choices because it doesn't anything that you're doing where you're if you're doing something that's negatively impacting you, usually that is trickling down to the people around you. Right. And so. Even if it didn't affect Brian directly, well, it affected Emmett. Mm -hmm. And then now Emmett, that's affecting his relationship with Michael and Brian's getting involved in that. And so they're all connected because of how close their circle is. So I do see why Brian ended up on on the list. Yeah. And like you said, Ted was kind of lying to all of them and hiding things from Mm -hmm. all of them. And again, that's not who he wants to be known as, like you said. So, yeah, I see why my Brian's on the list. Well, Brian doesn't read the letter just yet. And two reasons. First one, I think he doesn't read it because Brian kind of thinks apologies are BS. He's like, learn the lesson and move on. It depends on your actions and what you do from here. And I think he's already proven that he's forgiven Ted because he's working for him. Yeah. He gave him like a super important job (laughs) in his company. So he's like, thank you for the gesture. I think he knows why it's important to Ted, but it's not something he felt like he needed. Right. And also, I think Brian didn't read it because he only shows the sentimental side, I think, when he's alone or with Justin, too. Mm-hmm, for the most know? part, yeah. And reading that letter that, you know, Ted poured his heart into, I mean, it would it would make yeah. Brian have to be different. Right. He's Brian, not going to read that at work. Yeah, he needs no, to be exactly. work, Brian. Yeah, he's focused. But like you said, I think he definitely appreciates the gesture. He knows why it's important. He knows why the letter was given. Yeah, but yeah. But he's already forgiven him in his heart. Well, and he's also not reading the letter because he's already on the phone calling Justin. So it seems like it's the start of the day. And my thinking is that Justin didn't come to the loft last night. He didn't. Which, of course, is because he lives with Daphne. But I think that there's probably a conversation between them if he's not going to be yeah. staying at the loft. Like they, to the I'm loft. pretty sure they have conversations like, hey, what are you doing? You want to come over tonight? You want to grab something to eat? Yeah. I mean, normal relationship type talk. Yeah, are you, you know? coming here? Are you staying at, at yeah. your place with Daphne? Like, yeah. So they can plan their night out. But it seems like from this message, he's been calling Br- Justin all night. Yeah, like I've know? been trying to find you. Yeah. yeah. And so because Justin doesn't pick up and Brian leaves a message and he says the point of having a phone, a cell phone is that you leave it on. Where are you? And he's acting all cool. But when you when you understand Brian Kenny, like he's worried. Yes. And although he's acting cool, you can still see you can still hear like the worry and a, and a mile of ups, upset on him. Yeah. But one, he already knows who Justin's dealing with. Right. Although he hasn't like really voiced like Cody is not the one. Cody's a bad person. Cody's this, this and that. I mean, he gives little little jabs, little hints, but he hasn't like just rained down on Cody's mm-hmm. ass yet. 
He doesn't want Justin out there running the streets all night or the right. hour with, with Well, and I Cody. haven't heard from you, so I don't know what yeah. happened. Are you safe? Are you in right. jail? You mm-hmm. know, like, what's up? Where are you? Yeah. Um, well, he should be worried because Justin is at the shooting range with Cody. Girl. And Cody's a good shot. He said he practiced a lot when he was a kid on tin cans and rabbits. Now, I know hunting is a thing. Where are you? But I would like to circle back to Cody's comment about shooting rabbits at a later date because... <laughs> He's starting to fit a profile. In- that part, baby. You sound a little psycho. Okay. I kind of want to follow that. Yeah. Yeah, girl. I mean, like. I know that there's more to him. And, like, throughout this episode, some will talk about it. But I just, yeah, I he gives me all the red flags. Yeah, to me, he's like the gate. I think I mentioned this last time. He's like the gateway drug. Yeah. You know, like, it started out with we're going to protect the community. Then it went to, oh, we're going to go out and find them before they can find us. I'm like, mm. And then it's like, oh, oh, I didn't tell you, but I'm gonna carry a gun. Now you didn't got me. Now you didn't put me in like some felony type situations. Right. You know, now I'm taking you to get trained up on the gun, bro. Like, yeah, just, and I don't gets, know what the laws were in Pittsburgh at the right. time, but you're like concealing this weapon, walking around with it, and so right. And you mm. know you don't have no damn permit for it. So like, yeah. I mean, like, get the hell up out of here. But anyway, well, Justin certainly doesn't. Right. Yeah. So um, it's like it keeps getting worse and worse yeah. and worse. Like you're stacking on shit on top of shit on top of shit. Every time I see you, Cody, like. <laughs> I, it's like, yeah. boy, I'm, you got flies around you now. I can smell all the shit. Like, boy, stop. Yeah. Um, but where Cody's from, guns are no big thing, and we can relate to that, you know, maybe. But uh, Justin has never shot a gun. Of course not, because last episode was the first time that he even held one. Well, Cody offers to let him try, and at first Justin declines, but Cody insists that he that he try it, saying, don't be a sissy. Now, not wanting to shoot a gun does not make you a sissy, Cody. And also, he's got some very weird double standards when it comes to using, like, these emasculating slurs. Yes, he can use them. Right. Yeah. And so, because you're not doing this thing that should be a manly masculine mm-hmm. thing, then you're a sissy. Like, then what's Ooh. wrong with the straight saying, right. oh, you're doing this and this, you're a sissy. What's, uh-huh. what, what is the difference? Yeah, you know? so you got some weird double standards. Uh, well, Justin takes the gun and he aims it at the target, but his hand starts shaking. And this, of course, is an after effect of his bashing. And so he tells Cody that. And Cody helps him with his posture and his grip, and then he shoots. His aim is off because it really is harder than it looks. Right. And Cody tells him to imagine a face on the target, to imagine the face of someone who deserves a bullet between the eyes. Um, Now, if that were an isolated comment, I would maybe just kind of shrug it off. But But knowing Cody. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Cody tells him, well, yeah, I imagine Wayne, that's a jock from high school, who, along with his buddies, held him down and carved the F word on him. Not the four-letter F-word, but the other one. They carved faggot on his ass cheeks. Yeah. You know, where was everybody at? Do you know how long it would take to carve faggot on your ass cheeks? Well, he said he was his other friends were holding him down, so, yeah. Like, I mean, girl. Well, I tell you where everybody else was not caring because he said then there's a teacher who made him show it to the class, which Mm -hmm. that's all kinds of problematic. That's like a lawsuit to me. Yeah, or Cody's father who slapped him across the face when he told him what they did. And so... Yes, I want to validate that all these things happened to Cody. Like he's had some very messed up stuff happen. So to I him. can see why his mm-hmm. mind is like that. Yeah. But it gets to a certain point. Now you're an adult, but you also gotta have more self control than what you're right. what you're given. Well, you know, all that stuff is kind of fueling his fire. And those things like bullying and assault and humiliation, all of that can shape you and sharpen you into a weapon. It it really can. And it seems like that's what, what has happened right. to Cody and he was just kind of waiting for well, we don't know what he's been doing up until now. He mm-hmm. could have been doing some of this before. We don't really know. But it seems like he has been, it's almost like he's been building up to this moment. It's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. And so we talked a little bit about this before. 
So even though we understand Cody's anger, like it seems like he's working out that anger by antagonizing other people. And Mm -hmm. that's the part that I think everybody sees as, well, maybe not everybody, but I think a lot of people see that as concerning. But uh, and I think for him, because of all that he's endured, even though he's the instigator in his mind, he's the hero of yes. his story. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one doing the right thing in his story because he said they all deserve it. They all had it coming. It's kind of how he thinks. But anyway, well, Justin notices that Cody had no shortage of targets and Cody says that he bets Justin has a few himself. Well, so this time Justin picks up the gun and he's looking at the target with a person in mind. And that's kind of scary because now you've put a face on that and that's different than just aiming at a spot. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of scary. And Cody asks him who he was thinking of and Justin doesn't answer. Uh, But whoever this person was, he got him right between the eyes. Right between the eyes. I mean, Justin was focused. Like you said, I don't think it's, yeah, it's scary that he actually envisioned a face Mm -hmm. because now you have a true target. I feel like that takes it to a different place. Yeah, it definitely Mm -hmm. takes you to a different place. But knowing Justin, I want to have faith in Justin. Justin is stronger than that. Yes, he, he put a face on the target with a case, and he did. Bullseye. I mm-hmm. mean, like, no missing, not off. Like, I mean, dead on spot center. Right. Um, I take this as, like, a therapy session. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, it's... Some people like to go and break things. You can go pay your money right yeah, now to go into one of those breaking sessions. You can go get a, get a, a bat hammer, a bat, yeah. whatever. Maybe this is Justin getting his frustrations yeah. out because he never had that chance to confront. I'm just going to say Chris Hobbs. You know, it's the one who bashed him. He never had a chance to confront his attacker, really. Although he did go to court and did that. Well, no, I he mean, didn't even go to court. No, he yeah, he, he couldn't. But although they went to court, he wasn't able to, you know, face his accuser. Right. So um, I th- I'm just treating this as, as therapy. Yeah, no, right I now. see that. I see that, yeah. Well, we see Michael and Ben at the diner. And remember all of those angry and violent drawings that Justin was working on at the loft? I think mm-hmm. it was in 402. Mm-hmm. Well, he has turned those into panels for the Rage comic. And so Michael is showing them to Ben. And he tells Ben that Justin insisted they be this way. Well, Debbie delivers their breakfast to their table and she sees the drawings. And <laughs> it's the one of the varsity jock getting, getting his, his dick stuffed down his own throat. Yep, that's yeah, the that one. one. That's the one. Mm-hmm. And Debbie is looking at it and she says, gratuitous man sex is one thing. Talking <laughs> about their comic book, she said, but gratuitous violence is another story. And I think she's kind of the peanut gallery when it comes to this whole pink posse arc. Because um, I know that that's a reflection of the comments that they likely anticipated by taking us down this road with this violent Justin and right. with Pink Posse. Like, and where she's like, it's one thing to show gay men at the club right, and you right, know, right. being promiscuous and all this other stuff. It's a whole different thing to show this type of violence. And I think Ben's answer to what she says is very important. He says, I don't consider it gratuitous. He says that disturbing as the images may be, they are a legitimate expression of every gay man's outrage at being victimized. And therefore can be justified as a passionate and uncompromising work of art. I mean, yeah, I, I can feel it. Like, I mean, we, I think we all can agree yeah. uh, to what Ben is saying right here. Mm-hmm. And then we also can feel what, what Debbie is saying at the same time. Right. But I think I lean a little bit more toward what Ben is saying is, I mean, we have to express ourselves somehow, right. you know. And if we can't express ourselves freely in the free world... We should be able to do it in our art. And so, I mean, I rock with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a bit much, but at the same time, I mean. Well, what happened yeah. is a bit much. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you, you see what Cody said they did to him. And then right. we already know what happened to the Darren Justin, and what happened it, to Justin. Mm-hmm. And then what happened to Jason Kemp. And then the other people that they mentioned. It's a reality. It just keeps on mm-hmm. happening. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you have to, like, put this out in the world. And sometimes taking it to the max is what's going to get you all the awareness that you need. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, I think that's kind of 
a perfect explanation for the inclusion of this arc in in the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even I interacted with some of our our listeners by email or direct message or whatever. And even though a lot of them saying they they wouldn't go as as far as Cody and Justin are going, they say they can relate to the anger that leads them there. And it's just kind of down to what you choose to do with that that anger and that outrage, what you choose to do to make yourself feel safe. But um, yeah. Uh, you know, and as I've been studying this, I've been looking at other groups and there are some, they call them direct action groups that are very militant, very aggressive, very violent on purpose. Like I was thinking the weathermen, for example, I think that was like 60s or 70s. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but um, but they were like busting windows out of buildings on stuff. They were bombing government buildings and stuff like they were very intense. Right. But they were convinced that this was the way to get some action. But sometimes, I mean, like if you tried the peaceful road, sometimes if you tried the peaceful road and you're not getting anywhere, sometimes, sometimes you have to make a mark. Sometimes there are people who are like, yeah. no, you gonna hear me now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. when you push to your limits, like mm-hmm. if you tried all avenues and you got nowhere, dead in here, dead in there, dead in here, dead in there. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's only yeah. that, that brute force is what's going to get the attention. Now, we're not saying this is what we would choose. Or that this is a response we would condone, just that we can see the thinking that leads people there. Well, back to the scene. Vic enters the diner and Debbie has been looking everywhere for him. She was about to issue a missing persons report. And he tells her he's been unpacking and they are not ready for visitors yet. But as soon as they are, Debbie will be the first one. Now, you notice how Uncle Vic came in and he did not try to squeeze in with Michael and Ben. He went to his own booth. I was about to say, he looks annoyed. Like, <laughs> yeah. like he didn't want to see him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, well, back over at Michael and Ben's booth, Michael asks Ben if he really meant what he said about Justin's panels being an uncompromising work of art. And Ben says, absolutely, I meant every word. And he hopes that Michael will be just as honest about reviewing his book because he's working on his second book. And I guess he's given a draft to Michael for him to review well, Michael says that he has not finished it yet. His face tells a different story, though. Yeah, like, Michael's a terrible liar. Terrible, okay? Like, <laughs> I mean, I would already know you're lying from the uh-huh. start. I mean, you look like you're, you're telling the lie, boy. Mm-hmm. Work on your poker face. Yeah. Well, we go over to Melanie and Lindsay's, and Melanie's belly has, like, quadrupled in size since the last episode. I was about to say, last episode, I thought it was flat. <laughs> I think she forgot she was pregnant in four That four. part, for real, because it was flat. And then today, I was yeah. like, damn, she's showing. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. It quadrupled, yeah. Uh, well, Melanie is telling Lindsay that she can't relinquish the case because we remember the situation. Right. The judge changed. And, yeah, well, she feels like she owes this to Jeanette and Anna, and they trust her. And Lindsay's like, yeah, I understand. It's about the bond of sisterhoods. But Melanie's like very sure that she is right on this whole situation. Well, Emmett comes down from the attic and it looks like he's packed all of his stuff because the last conversation was, hey, maybe it's time Mm -hmm. for you to move out on your own. And yeah, he's got all his stuff, including his purple lava lamp. I had a purple <laughs> lava lamp when I was a kid. Now, they were not universally cool at the time, right. but I still had one. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, I always wanted one. I did. I always really? wanted that little moving lamp. It made me sleep good. Yeah, I had mine for years. And then finally, I think the motor went out or something like the heating lamp or yeah, whatever went that's out. Hilarious. Yeah. But he is moving out and he says that he's a big boy. Some say very big. <laughs> <laughs> Come so, through, Emmett. Yeah, so he has found a furnished place that is uh, ready for him to just move right in kind of yeah that's emma's got some bread on him i guess okay, so. like, those little parties must be expensive okay he dealing with nothing but the high-end parties okay because you already moving into this beautiful apartment and you yeah. think that it's gonna be um furnished already like yeah you come on out you gotta have some 
He gives he got some Brian Kenny coins yeah, right now. Yeah, and he's not splitting it. This is all on him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he is uh, moving on up in the world financially. <laughs> well, we see Justin hanging his target from the shooting range on the wall there, the place he shares with Daphne. And Cody is with him. And if I were Daphne, I would tell Cody he's not allowed in my house. Yeah, I just, like she wasn't allowed for the meeting. <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh, you can't come in Mm-mm. this straight house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm straight. <laughs> yeah. You don't belong. Uh, but I really don't think you want to be pushing Justin's Cody-shaped buttons right now. So, yeah. <laughs> but Daphne is very shocked and not in a good way that Justin has been shooting a gun. She says, I thought you hated them. You even signed a petition in high school. And Cody just looks at her and rolls his eyes. That's why I love Daphne, though. Like, she's not going to shy away. She's always going to call Justin back she to who is. he is. Yeah. She, call, she, she keeps him grounded. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I still do. Do you? Yeah. Like, I mean, because your actions are, are, are saying something else. Yeah. But I love how she doesn't care if Cody's there or not. She's always going to, like. Because mm-hmm, like, that's her friend. That's yeah. What she cares like, about. I yeah. don't know you, but what All I do right. know, I know him, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, she pulls him back in. Yeah. Uh, well, Cody tells her. That he started out a little rocky, but then Justin was like awesome after that. And he tells her that when he hit this shot on the target, he was thinking of someone, but he wouldn't say who. And Daphne says, I bet it was Chris Hobbs. Well, Justin clearly did not want Cody to know that. Because he knows how crazy Cody is. Well, that's how crazy this is. I think also, well, what eventually comes out, I think he doesn't want Cody to see him as weak. And right. he still feels weak when it comes to Chris Hobbs. True. And so I think that's what it is. I can dig that too, because but what I immediately felt was, Okay, you already have reservations on this guy because you know if he finds out, you know, your bigger secret, or it's not even a secret, but if he find out more about, you know, what happened to you, he's gonna make you confront this guy. And Cody, I mean, come on now, you know, if Co- yeah, he's a little, Cody yeah. is going to find out what what happened, and no, we're gonna go get him. And you know, he's Chris Hobbs not gonna be on the streets. Y'all gonna go find him like you did the other two couple people y'all did a couple episodes ago. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I think Justin was like, yeah, we're just not gonna go down that road. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a valid that's a valid point. Um, well, Cody wants to know the story there. Of course he does. And Justin gives him, starts out with an abridged version of it and tells them about what happened. My favorite part. Yeah, about what happened in the, in the, the locker dusty room. old locker room mm-hmm. or whatever. The little hands. Uh, the storage room, yeah. And Daphne suspects that Chris Hobbs was always in love with Justin. And I kind of suspect the same. Girl, I can see that. Because yeah. all through high school, I'll be mean. I would, you remember I used to be low-key kind of mean. I'm in high school, like I was sweet. Never to, the to girls, me, but to but other yeah, people. I, but to other people, it's because I always had crushes on these motherfuckers. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and I didn't know how to even communicate that. So I would be mean, like I'd be nice one day, yeah. and then I would be mean if I wanted you. You know, I don't know. That sounds crazy. Can't no, no, explain no. it. Can't no, but explain. I know that that happens. But I also kind of love that there was they left some ambiguity to mm-hmm. the storyline with Chris Hobbs because I don't really think he has himself figured out. Yeah. And but I definitely think there is some internalized homophobia in him. He's I'm I'm pretty sure he probably showed a little bit of that growing up, and his father got dead on his shit. You yeah. Know? And beat the hell out of him. So now he's projecting. Or at least scared it out of him. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I think seeing Justin, and even if Justin's making you question, even if you're not. It triggers him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he'll be the type, like, in 10 years from now, he will come out or at least try to experiment. And it it would be, it'd be. A very, very difficult time for him. He'll, yeah. he'll be on rock bottom. Yeah, because there's really no other reason for him to just, I mean, he, yeah, we'll talk about him later, but there was no other, aside from just being an awful human being, no reason for him to target Justin after right. seeing him with Brian, you know? Uh, and I know we, we're not on season one anymore, <laughs> clearly, but um, in season one, I never would have guessed that 
that storyline would have went that far. I know. I me mean, neither. He is an asshole, but to me, he was like the typical high school jock. Mm-hmm. He was going to always meddle and tease. Right. That's what he was going to do. And always just yeah, here and always. There, shove somebody around. Right. Yeah. And then when I saw the hand job episode, I was thinking, okay, yeah, cool. Now it really makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. because I could see that happening in real life. I was yeah. like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But then when it ended with the bashing, I was just like, what the heck? I never, ever yeah. saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Like, never saw that coming. Yeah. But, and I think we might have talked about it then, but now I just see it even more so. That is a product of a homophobic upbringing yes, or, no. or environment. He was taught that. Because, yeah, he was taught that, but because he was whatever his internal stuff is going on and then knowing what he knows about about what society says about mm-hmm. all of that it it produced this type of violence Correct. you know and so it's like yes he's responsible for what he actually did but you look at the environment that created that whole storm right yeah. anywho uh justin goes on to tell cody about what happened to him at prom and daphne does remind everyone that she is brighton's biggest fan when she yeah. talks about their dance uh, and Justin says that he was in a coma, then in rehab for almost six months. Wow. And Daphne still can't believe that Chris Hobbs got off practically scot-free from that. And we agree. I wouldn't even call it a slap on the wrist. It was more like a gentle tap. It was a gentle tap. And then you put him in the same area where you have sick homosexuals. Like. Right, right. Which is what Justin says. Like he, uh, as he's telling him about what Hobbs said at the the AIDS hospice, he said, that I would end up like the others, that I deserve to die. And then Cody says, well, I hope you I hope you punched him, which is exactly what we were hoping at the mm-hmm. time. But Justin admits that he was, too, he was too afraid to say anything, so he just stood there. And then here he calls himself the F word. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, Mm-mm, no, that doesn't make you weak. That doesn't make you right. this slur. That doesn't make you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, totally understandable that you would freak out yeah. to see your attacker. That was so soon anyway. Yeah. You've been through something so traumatic. Like, no. Like, I mean, that's totally normal. Yeah, well, and so he's standing there, and he looks embarrassed and ashamed and of himself, you know, and he shouldn't be. Mm-mm. But, but yeah, that it just shows you where he where he is right now with that. I did kind of want him to deliver a good old molly whopping to Hobbs at the yes. time at the hospice center. Girl, I but now it. I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Right, I know. <laughs> you know. It's just like, what has changed, though? Is there, like, a statute of limitations on retaliatory violence? Like right. I mean, mm, I he would have been under the jail. Like, he was would have been the one who got some type of, you know, punishment. Right. And not to slap on the wrist. He would have exactly. had a felony on his charge. Well, because they would have done exactly what they did at Hobbs' trial. Well, Justin was trying to come on to him. Yeah. And he was trying to touch him inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, whatever. Ooh, that reminds me of a real life story that I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> well, then we see Emmett's place, and it really was moving ready. He says, add a trick and stir. Ah. <laughs> and Emmett's showing the new place to Michael and Brian. And it's kind of like a knockoff version of Brian's loft. Uh, it really looks like those memes were like what I ordered and what I got. Yeah, it does, though, right? <laughs> it's like that, yeah. And Brian is insulting Emmett's pretend Barcelona chair, calling it a Tijuana chair. Uh, and he is so petty. He's like intentionally dripping his sandwich juice all over the sofa. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> Brian doesn't give a damn. No. And he's thinking the uh, the decorator must have been a one-time guest at, at his lawn. Uh, yes. Yeah, so anyway, Brian's not too happy about, about this. But Michael is a bit mopey by the window. And he tells Brian that he told Ben, he lied to Ben and he feels bad about it. Well, Brian is so disappointed when he finds out that it's not a story about Michael cheating or sleeping <laughs> with somebody else. That's messy Brian making a cameo. Uh, well, Michael tells him that he did finish Ben's book three days ago, but he told Ben that he was still reading it. And Brian doesn't think that that's a, a big fat lie. 
But uh, Michael says that uh, Ben wants him to be honest about what he thinks about the book. And Michael says that he thought it was kind of boring. Uh, just tell the man, baby, listen, your book was dry as hell. Yeah. Drier than toast. I though. like that Brian says okay. kind of like him. Yeah. <laughs> that boring. So. Yeah. No, it's a little like, boring. Always throwing shade. Uh, but but Brian says what you say. You got Like, he's your partner. You have to sit him down, take his hand, and tell him it's a steaming piece of horse manure. That part. And Michael wants to know if he could say that to Justin if, you know, the shoes were on the other. If, Michael uh, shouldn't even have to ask that question. You know Brian would fire Justin's ass yeah, up. that's what he real says. Real quick. He says, yeah, but fortunately, the lad's a genius. He's like, I don't have to tell him that. Thank God. Because he's great, yeah. But he also says, if you can't be honest, what kind of relationship do you have? Just a cheap imitation, which is another shot at Emmett's place there. But That's hilarious. Now, a few things that I have to pause for, one being the subtle acknowledgement that Justin is Brian's partner. Like, it's one thing for Brian and Justin to acknowledge that alone together at the loft. But Michael and Brian both know that Ben is to Michael what Justin is to Brian. And I think that is a huge thing that uh, I'm always going to pause for. Two, we have Brian praising Justin's art and abilities. Like, Brian is in the ad business. He may not know the finer points and techniques of creating art, but he knows when something is good. And he says that Justin is a genius. Like from the start, he has always believed in Justin's art and supported that and encouraged that and never like doubted what he can do, what his man is capable of. And then three, Brian knows that honesty is key in every relationship. And Brian has always since season one valued honesty. We know that. And he generally is a very honest person. He rarely lies except to himself about his feelings about Justin and kind of to Justin about the same thing. But but he gets better with that. So. He knows that honesty is very important in a relationship. And then four, I love the look of business owner Brian, like with his hair slicked back, no tie, top button undone. Like that works really well for him. Um, So do you, could you tell Brad if like Brad's a creator, Girl, Brad's you an know artist, could you tell I would him? tell Brad. <laughs> I don't hold my <laughs> tongue. You know, yeah. I would tell Brad. I tell Brad everything. Uh, baby, this, this, um, this, this pasta is a little too salty. Uh, yeah. No, that, that ain't my favorite sauce. Mm-mm. What are you making over there? No, and I don't cook about nothing, but I always got some type of critiques. Absolutely. <laughs> That's one thing about me and Brad. We were way too honest, like yeah. way too honest. Baby, you need to cut back. You know what I'm saying? You're getting that extra chance. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, Brad is extremely honest with me, and I'm extremely honest with him. Yeah. Like, for real, for real. How about you? Could you do the same to your loved ones? Um, It depends on the situation and what they're creating. I'm going to go with... Probably 60% of the time, no. I could not do it, but 40% of the mm-mm, time I could. Mm-mm. If your sister came to you and wanted you to critique her script, mm-hmm. could you critique it like like Michael and Ben? Well, ooh, I don't know. I might make some suggestions right. because she is, you know, as you know, my sister's a creative a person. Yeah, yeah. she's a badass. And, um, and, so, and I know what it's. Like, when you are a creator, you're just a little bit more sensitive about your work and oh, what you produce. Girl, you know how I feel. Yeah. And so I know that. And so I do try to keep that in mind when I talk to her about right. it. Right. But I would offer some suggestions. So you're going to be Michael? No, yeah. I wouldn't be Michael. But I would, be, I would, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back to that one. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back to that. My therapist would say, just tell them like it is. But, mm, <laughs> right. uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, anyway, so we see Emmett scrubbing Brian's sandwich juice out of the sofa before we oh, leave Emmett, that. Emmett, you're going to be on your hands and knees a lot, A baby. lot in that apartment, yeah. Why would you get a white sofa? Yeah. Like, come on now. I, nothing about Emmett to me says, says like, white. he's classy enough for it, but just, like, Emmett nah, seems to have too much going on I feel time. like he has too much going on to have some white shit. Like, yeah. Nah. 
Well, over at Melanie's firm, she walks into Larry's office and Jeanette and Anna are already in there sitting and meeting with him without Melanie. And Melanie at first like, no, I understand. But it's clear that she's not happy about that and she feels betrayed. Well, okay, I would feel betrayed, too. Not I mean, not because that they're sitting in the office without me having this meeting. But I know y'all. You didn't have the common decency or courtesy to even give me a call to stop by the house. You were just sitting in my kitchen the other night, you know? Right, with my son in your lap. Exactly. Any of them could have told Melanie about this before now. I didn't have to have a pop up find out. Mm -hmm. If she didn't walk in office, she would never know. You know, like, I thought that was shitty. Like, I, we understand why, but like, yes. I just feel like I could have had a little heads up. That's I like, shouldn't have discovered this yeah. on my own. Michelle, I'm friends with you. If I knew that I was going to do something without you or whatever the case, I would, I would come, hey, this is the plan. I'm going to do this and this. Are you cool with this? Like, yeah. I, wanna, I want to give you the heads up. I mean, a little communication. That right. just wasn't there. I mean, and you see why they you fighting for the kid. Like, this yeah. man communicating. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm here for you. I put everything on the line. Hell, my wife didn't even want me to take the damn case. Yeah. You know, like, uh-huh. I was risking my baby in the beginning because of this damn case. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we see Michael, and he is trying to find the right words to say to Ben because he's got to, like, at some point, he's got to have finished the script. And so he's got to be able to tell him his what he thinks. Um, well, Ben walks in as he's practicing and overhears Michael saying that he finished it. Before he has a chance to tell Michael what he thinks, Debbie calls, and then he has a customer. And then Michael, uh, yeah, Michael is counting the money so slowly from this customer. And so then they finally get the customers out. Well, then Ted comes in, and he has letters for both of them. And he's like, you don't have to read it right now. And Michael's like, oh, no, it's good. I can read it now. Uh, that part. Because <laughs> yeah. he's grateful for the distraction. And um, he does tell Ted that that was thoughtful and brave. And, of course, they forgive him. Because this is what Blake said. Like, he's going to come back around to you guys. When he's ready. When he's ready. And I do think getting a job really helped him out and seeing, like, okay, yeah, I'm an accountant. And I'm a great accountant. That part. And a job from his friends. Like, they're they're accepting him. Like, they they tried to push themselves on him. He wasn't ready yet. But they gave him his space. And when when it came around, well, Brian didn't. Yeah, Brian's like, no, I need you right now. I need you to hack into this system right now. Now, okay. I already know that the cops are after you, but I'm going to hack into this now, okay? (laughs) Yeah. But but, um, it made him feel loved again and Mm -hmm. wanted again. Like, I mean, it's it's good to be, I'd rather be wanted than needed. They want him. They don't need you. He feels wanted. He has a purpose again. So, yeah, this, this is definitely a good part. Uh, something good that's for Ted. Yeah. Uh, well, he has more letters to deliver, so he heads out. Well, Ben closes and locks the door, even turns the sign on the door to close. No more delays, no more distractions. And so now's the time. Michael's got to tell him what he thinks about about his book. And Michael chickens out at the last minute. He says he finished the book and he loved it with a big smile on his face. Uh Michael, Michael, Michael. Yeah. Come on now. Have some nuts. Have <laughs> some backbone. Tell that you lay up with this man every night. You was going to go to jail for kidnapping your kid. You know, all this and that. Yeah. You can't tell your man that his book is dry. Yeah. That it's a snooze fest. You know, like, <laughs> it's sleepy Todd, not Sweeney, but sleepy Todd. Like, come yeah. on, bro. Yeah. Tell him. Some of us are just afraid to hurt other people's feelings it's not even about hurting his feelings i know it's not but we make it about something that is totally not this man is writing a book for the world to see so you want your man if this was now this book come out he's gonna be dragged all over social media okay like uh, uh, roasting his ass they're gonna drag him 
Trust me, trust and believe, Ishel. When your book come out, I'm letting you know what's up, okay? Yeah. I'm letting you know what's up. I'm not going to let the internet do you like that. Yeah, they're going to drag don't. you. They're yeah. going to drag you. Don't let me put myself out there like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, over at the loft, Justin is there, and he is, we see him in the bathroom splashing water on his face and just really taking a good look at himself in the mirror. And I think it's very interesting to think about what he sees when he looks at his reflection, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Um <laughs> I don't really know if he's sure what he sees in his reflection, to be quite honest. Um, Well, he walks into the bedroom and a strategically covered but still naked Brian is laying there pointing a gun at him. And he says, look what I found, Sunshine's new play toy. And Justin is upset that Brian found it. uh, Why are you hiding it? Yeah. If If you're not ashamed, why are you hiding it? Yeah, well, and it's clear that Brian has resorted to snooping, which I think just shows how worried he is. And how much he cares. Yeah, because he's never been up in Justin's business like that. But he's like, I know you're doing things that that I don't agree with, and I know you're hiding them from me because you know I don't agree with it. And so, and I think he just, he needs to know, he needs to be aware because he's trying to look out for him because he knows Justin won't listen to him. So it's like, you won't tell me, so I'm going to have to find out on my own what you're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Brian, still pointing the gun at him, actually cocks it in his hand, which is another big no-no. Don't point a gun at anyone unless you intend to shoot and never cock a gun if you're not about to shoot. That part. I mean, <laughs> for one, just don't play with any guns. Right. No, don't play with yeah. guns. Yeah, but oh. I like this exchange. I yeah. was very proud of Brian because mm-hmm. we've seen Brian in the past, like, he threw, like I said before, little jabs, little shots at Cody, whatever case, but never told Justin he was doing something crazy. Yeah. But in this exchange right here with the gun, now he knows it's serious. And yeah. I love how he gets on Justin's ass. Yeah. That's exactly what a partner is supposed to be. Like, I'm going to get on to you when you're wrong, you know, and I'm going to love you when you're right, you mm-hmm. know, or I'm not going to let you just get spiraled out of control. Right. So I love that Brian finally... You know, it's like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. Well, he asks him if it's loaded. And I think he already knew it wasn't loaded because he wouldn't have risked Justin's life like he that. He would have pointed it. And he pointed it at himself. So, no, nah, I think he already knew it wasn't loaded. But uh, he says, for someone who's never seen a Western on principle, you have an awfully keen interest in firearms. So, basically, he's asking the same question Daphne did. Like, where did this come from? And so, he asks him, where did you get it? And he says, Cody gave it to me. It's necessary that we have have them after what happened the other night, we could have been killed. Like, yeah, because y'all were going out looking for trouble. Um, and Brian says, play with this long enough and you will be. And J- Justin is demanding that he give it back. And Brian straight up says, you are not running around the streets with a concealed weapon. Like, he doesn't care if it's necessary. So him and Cody can be the gay Avengers or the heroes of the resistance. <laughs> and Justin is sticking with, we're trying to stop violence before it happens. But Brian's not buying that either. He's just by starting it. And Justin fires back, they hate us, they want us dead. Now, for some people, that may be true, but you can't deny that, but that's not true of everybody. Well, Justin takes the gun back, and you can see that Brian wants to fight him harder on this, but he but he doesn't. Um, but he does watch to see where Justin goes or what he does with that gun. Yeah, so side note, I think Brian lives in, like, the worst part of town because you always hear sirens in the background when they're at the loft. Yeah, no, for real. Like, where where are you? So Debbie and Emmett are out shopping for his new place. And Debbie is also looking for a housewarming gift for Vic and Rodney. And they are both on their own now. So they're bonding over the highs and lows of that, of living alone. And she confides in Emmett that she's having a hard time adjusting to Vic being gone. But she doesn't want Vic to feel bad for, for leaving And I like her having this conversation with Emmett because he can relate in some ways. And also, this is better than her talking to Michael about it because he's too close to the situation. Yeah, way too close to the situation. 
And I feel like right now they both need each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is the first time, a first for both of them yeah. and forever. And they both have similar personalities also. Uh, I think it's a great it's a great experience for the both of them. And if it wasn't for um, it wasn't for Debbie telling him to go to the fairy retreat anyway, we would have never got that light, that um, right. fire burning bright, flame burning bright again on Emmett. So they already had this really good bond. And, and Debbie's such a caring person as yeah. well. So, I mean, like, it's a perfect combination, actually, to me. Yeah. So, he's supposed to be helping her shop for a gift, but he's not being super helpful. Emmett is being Emmett. He yeah, has to get he's doing one. his own stuff. He's getting his own stuff. Yes. But he does help by saving Vic and Rodney from getting from getting a slightly tacky dog-shaped bowl. Um, but I love his response. Like, girl, yeah. that'd be perfect for your home, but maybe I don't think not. they would get it. Yeah. yeah. No, get but it, she but. does find the perfect dish towels for them, though. Yes, with the cocks, baby. Yeah. The big cocks, too, okay? <laughs> yeah. But we mean roosters, not not the other cocks, y'all. Yeah. Uh, well, then, Lindsay has summoned Brian to help with the Melanie situation. Probably not the person I would have called in if for that. Because Melanie is holed up in the bedroom. She's upset about the situation with her clients. And um, Brian's like, why did you call me here for this? And Lindsay says that Brian has a remarkable ability to put, to put things in perspective to see them with a um, in a purely objective, practical way, which I agree with 100%. And I think that's one of his primary contributions to their to their little found family. So he barges into the, the bedroom and he does what Brian does. It's all dark humor and very inappropriate. <laughs> but I do love that uh, he immediately turns it on when he walks in. Like at first he was all like, I don't want to do this. But as soon as he walks in the door, he's like, all right, mm-hmm. let me help out a friend. Because he was brought in to help, and he tries to in his own very special way. Uh-huh. To me, it was perfect. I love Brian's response because he can't go in there and be like babying her. He has to continue the Brian charm, or it wouldn't be effective. Right? Yeah. Well, Melanie says the issue is that a lesbian couple with a child just fired their lesbian lawyer who's having a child, so a straight white male can argue their case. And Brian tells her, "Well, it makes sense to me. The courts have always been partial to straight white men." And he tells her it's just business and she shouldn't make it personal. He's like, yeah, we know it's messed up, but that's what it is. Right. Again, I'm not mad that they changed lawyers. I'm mad that there was no communication. Right. I think what Brian is telling her is spot on 100%. Like, girl, you're trying to make it, you're making this a political thing. Trying to make this about the lesbians, which I'm here for you. Stand for your rights. But also, these are your friends and we're we're talking about a child. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we don't want to play around with kids or even jeopardize the child, even going to the father. You know, like, so... If you really want to win this case, you would step back and you would let it proceed yeah, forward. Do with, what's yeah, do what's necessary. Yeah. Well, Lindsay tells her that she agrees with Brian, but Melanie doesn't want to hear it. And Brian thinks it's a victory because at least she got out of the bedroom. So, yeah. Yeah. True, though. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, again, I think even though things have improved between Brian and Melanie from season one, I definitely don't think I would have brought nah. Brian in on that on that deal. Yeah. But I think Lindsay had a um, Lindsay was right though. Brian can see things so differently, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, he's not directly in their friend group. I mean, he's in their friend group, but him and Le- Mel aren't close. So, yeah. I mean, he can see things that maybe she can't see or Lindsay can see mm-hmm. outside looking in. You know, so I thought he was a perfect person to come in. Yeah, that's he's true. super smart. He's witty, um, and he's gonna be sarcastic. He's gonna challenge your mind, and he mm-hmm. plays this reverse psychology thing so smooth. I mean, like it's it's insane. Yeah. Then Justin and Cody are on the street, and Justin is telling Cody about Brian finding the gun and trying to take it away from him. And Justin gives it back to him there on the street. Like, come on, Justin. Justin, you, <laughs> he is not about the crime life, okay? Yeah, you can tell, yeah. But, baby, you not don't just pass it. You don't pass yeah. it in, in daylight. But Justin kind of listens to Brian because he gave it back. Yeah. 
Um, so he gives it back to him, and Cody is trying to tell him to keep it because he has others, very plural. Yes, yeah. I don't like that right there. Mm-mm. Like, others. Like, boy, why you got so many guns? Yeah, well, they arrive at a construction site, and Cody says that they're waiting for someone, and Justin's like, what, another posse member? And no, it is Chris Hobbs. Told you. And I don't like this. Like, Why are you seeking him out? Well, my thing is, like, we what we learned from the... The shooting range, Cody has his own targets and his own demons and bullies. Like, yeah. why are you, why are we why are wrestling you up mine? mine? Yeah. yeah. Like, you're forcing me to, to confront something that yeah. I, I don't want to. Well, anyway, Hobbs walks up to them, but isn't really paying any attention to them. And Cody calls his name despite Justin's wishes. And Hobbs asks Justin what he's doing there. He's like, what, are you looking for a job? And he says, we don't have any openings, at least not the kind you like. <laughs> and then he walks away after calling them both something yeah so he is still trash um but i am mad at cody for this like you don't know how a person is going to respond to being forced to face their attacker and i think cody cody was hoping for some kind of action and maybe in his own way he's trying to do justin a favor or give him like a do-over but even with good intentions like i think he should have handled this better and different right no i think what cody was doing because he knows justin isn't the strongest yet he knows Mm -hmm. that he's getting there but he isn't the strongest yet he wanted Justin to see uh, Hobbs again to incite that fear, yeah. to get him angry he again. He knows this is Justin's unresolved yeah, issue. Yeah, exactly. Get that anger in you again. So anytime you get the gun in your hand, that that's the face that you're always going right. to see. You don't have to try to envision the face. Like, it's there. Mm-hmm. Because Hobbs gave him exactly what he needed, you know, mm-hmm. calling him a faggot again, just staring him down, making him feel little. I mean, in that scene, Hobbs, the way they shot it, Hobbs, to me, looked so big. Mm -hmm. And I felt like Justin looked so small. Yeah. And uh, it was almost like the bully effect, just in the camera angles. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Well, and it did make them look silly. Yeah. He's like, what are y'all even doing here? Yeah, like, Like, why? Like, this shit is old. Like, what's up? Yeah, uh uh-huh. It made them look silly. And and I think you're right, because Cody was making this about... He was letting Justin handle this. Like, mm-hmm. yes, he didn't. He didn't step in aside from calling his the attention mm-hmm. and saying, "Like, hey, I think you know my friend here." But um, he didn't jump in to say anything. But still, I I did not like this. No, I didn't like it either. Uh-uh. Again, you're looking for trouble. Uh-huh. You're digging up some emotions that you weren't ready to process yet. Right. You haven't even spoken about it out publicly. Mm-hmm. You don't even talk about it to your close friends. You know. Yeah. And you're like forcing me to do something. Yeah. You could have asked me, "Do you want to see him again? Are you ready to see him right. again?" But exactly are you ready can you handle this yeah. you know but you didn't give that option you mm-hmm. you forced me into a situation that i wasn't prepared for yeah yeah uh well then we see ben and michael and they're at their place and ben is in the bathroom primping but he looks good a little 70s Girl, he looks but- <laughs> 70s as hell he had that big lapel on yeah. the collar shirt that mean, deep v deep v and then he had the tight pants i don't know something yeah, about so, it was, he was giving me saturday 70s. night fever like a mug i was like okay <laughs> yeah Staying alive, head ass. Yeah, Hunter is on the couch reading The Catcher in the Rye, and they are they are all about classic movies and books this season. They are. I've never read Catcher in the Rye, so I'm going to accept Hunter's summary as fact. He <laughs> says that the book is about a gay relationship because Catcher is the bottom, and that's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. That's what the book's about. Oh, Michael. I'm pretty sure there was a ton of gay teens when it picked that up. <laughs> right, and they <laughs> when, were right, so disappointed, yeah. probably. When he, oh, Hunter said what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, Ben and Michael are going dining and dancing to celebrate Ben finishing his book and receiving raving reviews from the most important critic. Uh, And Hunter is confused because Michael told him that it was a snooze. Well, Hunter messy. (laughs) So messy. 
Uh, Michael proceeds to try to dig himself out of that hole, and Hunter is enjoying all the the squirming. Oh, that little smirk smirk on his face told it all. Like, don't tell lies now, Mike. Yeah, I love that Michael threatens Hunter before he before he leaves. Oh, girl, he gave him that true mama. Like, yeah, wait till I get home. You know what? Wait till I get home. Okay, it's gonna be me and you. Don't touch nothing. Don't say nothing. I mean, for real. Like he got that real mama. Like I'm gonna get you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom used to just over. do the look for real. We would be in the store and my mom would just give us I would be touching everything or talking loud, acting crazy, and she'll be in front of in front in front of one of her friends or somebody talking. She could literally just do she'll be full conversation. She would just do this little hand thing, like squeeze the hands. And we would know when we got in that car, that was our asses, you yeah. know? Or she would just give this look like, oh, hey girl, and just like kind of look at us real quick. Oh, yeah. it was the worst. We knew. And she would wait. We wore Wranglers growing up. It was hard to get out of Wranglers. It is hard I remember to get out of Wranglers. We was trying to, I was like jumping around trying to get my foot out the Wrangler. And she kicked that bathroom door open, had a switch. It was all <laughs> she wrote. Okay. I was a good kid after that. Yeah. No, you weren't. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, we see Debbie and she is out delivering her housewarming gift. And Debbie also looks amazing. Everybody is killing the game this season. They all look great. They do. Um, Debbie knocks on the door, and at first she thinks she's at the wrong place because we don't know this man who answers the door. Who answers somebody else's door anyway? Yeah, well, there's a reason, I guess. But then we see Rodney, and they are having a whole dinner party, and the place is decorated beautifully. Brad would love it. Oh, yeah, no, they came through. I was like, damn, you had a week and got it like this? For real, and it's a nice place, it looks like. Yeah. Rodney got a little coin on him. He must, yeah, (laughs) because, well, I guess Vic is getting some of that money from Emmett, but... I think Rodney no. do got some coin. Yeah, he got some coin. Yeah. But why you always had the damn roommates already, Rodney? You had like two or three roommates. Yeah. Been holding, that's why he had the coin. He was able to save up. That's you true. Know, that's why he had the coins. <laughs> yeah. He was able to save. Yep, that's smart. Yep, stack those coins. Uh, well, I mean, I know Debbie is hurt, and we're going to deal with that, but I get Vic wanting this for him and his relationship, and knowing that if he mentioned it to Debbie, she would take it as an invite. If he was like, I'm having this dinner party. Girl, we finna fight. We fixing a fight. I already fight. knew it because when we were watching the episode, I was like, we gonna fight on Because you didn't say nothing when I said nothing. So I was like, okay, yeah, we gonna be fighting. Yeah, we gonna fight uh, on this. No, Vic is so wrong for this shit. Okay, <laughs> this lady has devoted her whole damn life to you. She been dying to come hang out with you. And and you 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 gonna tell her, oh, when we ready to have people come over, you'll be the first one to come in. We got you. But she do a little pop-up on you to bring you a little gift, and you got a whole fucking party going on. And not only a whole party, you cooking like, I mean, you cooking the house down. Yeah, lobster it, souffle, right? Girl. Okay, so, <laughs> oh, no, this was a little impromptu. Oh, yeah, but you just got, like, little lobster souffles laying around the house. Yeah, in the pantry, yeah. Yeah, in the pantry. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop playing with me, okay? No, yeah. I think that was shitty. It was messed up. And Rodney, to me, this got Rodney written all over it. It don't even have <laughs> Don't Vic you come for over. Rodney. It's Rodney ass. The way he was looking there, I wanted to slap his ass. I wanted to go right through the TV and give him, you know what I'm saying, give him one for Debbie. No. She's sitting there looking all pretty and stuff. She got dolled all, all dolled up and that's what you're going to do? Like, <laughs> hell no. Hell no. Yeah. He wanted for himself. What about Debbie's needs? No. See, I felt, yes, he should have been able to be honest. He shouldn't have had to hide this. But I definitely see Vic as an entertainer. Like, I bet when he was in New York on his own, I bet he was entertaining people all the time um, because he looked so happy and so natural at the head of his own table. Girl, um, he, he was so damn happy, he didn't even know she was standing there. Yeah. He walked right past her to my lobster souffles. Yeah. Like, and, uh, and then when everybody started looking at her ass, because she's the only female in the room, yeah. that's when he noticed her. 
Like, I mean, ugh, girl. Right. No. Uh-uh. So, yeah, I, I do think that he should have been able to tell Debbie the truth, but I don't think that he was there yet. Now, listen, I have a therapy friend, like, so we talk about our therapy sessions. Right. And we talk about how our therapists are always telling us to be honest and upfront about our feelings and our needs. And we're both like, if I was emotionally <laughs> mature enough and healthy enough to do that, I wouldn't be in therapy. Yeah, I wouldn't need you, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> It's like they're talking like, I know I should have been able to talk to them about this and not gone behind their back, but I just ain't there yet. Right, yeah. So I think that's where we're making uh, But my feelings were so hurt for her. Yeah, well, Rodney invites her to stay, and Vic introduces her to everyone, but Debbie says that she doesn't attend parties she's not invited to. Is now the time to point out evidence to the contrary, or do we wait? Go ahead. <laughs> you know, that part. But listen, my thing, again, do you remember how they all felt when Michael didn't invite them to the party? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, why wouldn't he think that was the same feeling? Yeah, well, he Michael didn't invite them because he was embarrassed by them. And then he proceeded to embarrass himself in trying to embarrass them. I think that he was embarrassed by Debbie. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was embarrassed. He think Debbie going to take over. Because, you know, her personality is... It's a lot. Yeah. So I think maybe he was a little embarrassed and he was going. She, he thought she was going to take over. Or you really think he just needed to have his own friends? You I think a- I really feel like he, well, okay, let's talk about this. So in the an, an earlier draft of the script, it says that there's a mix of men and women at this party. Now, that would have been messed up. Yeah. And I think if there would have been women at the party, then it would have been like, okay, maybe you are embarrassed of her. Right. But this looked like all guys. It was all guys. And so probably something that he hasn't been able to do in a while. Right. You know? okay. okay. And so because it's like that and because I know how it could have been framed, but they switched it and they switched it on purpose. That's why I'm like, I don't think that it's because he was embarrassed of her. I think he was just trying to hang out with his partner and his friends is what is what I think he was doing there. Um, He tells Debbie that it was impromptu, but clearly the lie detector test determined that yeah. to be a lie. <laughs> um, And uh, so, yeah, Debbie leaves with her her feelings hurt. But but she has she, been trying to protect yeah. his feelings this whole time. And now it looks like you just trampled all over mine. So I right. get why. I get why she feels hurt. Should she have been invited to that? Well, no, that's his own thing. Exactly. But uh, I get why she feels hurt. She because right. he did lie to her. He could have just he told shouldn't the have truth. Had, he shouldn't have yeah. lied, but he felt like he had to to protect her feelings. And yeah, but oh no, it's mm. but there are lessons to be learned here. The lessons to wait be learned for is not an, to lie. Wait for an invitation. Back because he told you don't come <laughs> okay. over. Don't just roll up on up. people. Yeah. yeah. Because the whole Liberty Avenue gang should know better by now because every time one of them rolls up on the other, it's not good. Remember what happened when Melanie and Lindsay rolled up on Ted a couple episodes yep, back? Mm-hmm. And then you already know you're going to see some naked behind if you when pop you up Brian's. at Brian's. Yeah. yeah. And even Melanie and Lindsay, when Philip and Tannis from the GLC showed up there, they had their toys and almost their tatas yeah, out. That so, part, okay. So don't roll up on people. That's the lesson. That part. They always doing that. Yeah. And and then when Debbie rolled up on Michael to fight with his ass. Yeah, you know, and the social worker yeah, so, was stopping by. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's one of the lessons here. So what you see is what you get when you show up unannounced. <laughs> but, uh, but also there's another part of, uh, this is another part of what makes family hard. Like, sometimes you do feel like you have to carve out some family members from certain things just to be able to have something that's yours. And so that's just kind of like a hard dynamic to family for some people. Not everybody struggles with that, but right. but some do. I struggle with telling friends sometimes yeah. no and things like that. Mm-hmm. But as last year's taught me to be a little more independent on myself, so um, I'm able to say no. I, I said this year I'm going to work on saying no, not just to be you know an ass or whatever right. the case. 
but I'm always the yes man, so mm-hmm. I have to say, I have to start setting boundaries and saying no. Yeah. But when it came to my family and Brad, I had no problems, you yeah, know, and keeping no. it 100 yeah. with them. Like, no, no, nope, next. Yeah. Can't do it. I would love to help, but unfortunately, I can't. I had a friend mm-hmm. who really helped me in a way that really kind of made me mad at first, but really helped me see, like, you're not doing anybody a favor when you say yes to everything mm-hmm. because you're spread so thin. Nobody is really getting 100% of you, and that's not fair Correct. to them or to you. So, yeah. Hard lessons to learn, but Mm -hmm. anywho. So over at Emmett's, he has a trick over, and he is again having to scrub that sofa. (laughs) Told you, girl. (laughs) He does have about like 1.3 million candles lit all over that that apartment, though. Uh, Well, the trick is headed home to hang out with his roommate, and he says they're going to swap hookup stories and eat popcorn and watch Friends and all this stuff that Emmett used to do with With Michael, Michael and probably even with Ted in some ways. I'm sure definitely with Godiva. And he tells him this is his first time being able to afford living on his own. And the guy says, well, even if I could afford it, I would prefer to have roommates. Do you think you have a preference? Oh, I like, no, I don't want roommates. <laughs> like, no, I, I don't want that at all. Brad is always pushing for that. No. Yeah. I don't like that. I like to walk around in the nude. I like to, I live life like Brian. Okay. Yeah, like do. I live life like Brian. I don't need nobody. No, hell no. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. No, no, no. If I yeah. want the cakes free, I want the cakes free. <laughs> no. Yeah. I go back and forth because, well, a lot of my activities are like solo activities. Well, no, that sounds bad. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> that sounds what you doing over there doing these bad. I like to like read and watch uh-huh. movies and write and do a bunch of nerdy research and listen to music and all that stuff you do by yourself. Right. And so, but. Before, without noticing it, like I can go weeks without have interact without interacting with another human being, right? And so sometimes because of that, it's good for me to have other people around. But I don't know. But I kind of like having my own space, right? So. My thing is, I definitely got to have my own space. I don't like to ask for permission. Mm-hmm. I don't That's like I am. if I want to be loud because you know I'm already naturally loud. So right. if I want to be extra loud, I don't need to be. And when I say loud, I don't mean sexually loud, y'all. I just mean <laughs> loud person, loud voice. Um. Yeah. Mm-mm. I just I don't like permissions. Yeah. And uh, I like free range, like I said. And yeah. yeah. Uh-uh. Well, and mm-hmm. I don't like anybody. I'm like to feel like I'm being judged or questioned. Like if all right. I want to do is sit on this couch and drink a Capri Sun that today, part. like okay. that's what I'm gonna do. Not the Capri Sun, baby. <laughs> yeah. Bring it back with the Sunny D. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, so I like to be able to do what I want and not have anybody asking me questions about that. Yeah. So anyway, but I think Emma is wired like this guy, like, and sometimes adulting tells you that your life has to look a certain way. But the past few years, I've kind of been tempted to just give a very unmanicured middle finger to expectations and societal pressures. Girl, me too. Like, yeah. For real. I. I don't know why we get in our head we're supposed to live life this way. It has to be like right. this. And if we don't, we're going to be, I don't give a damn about your judgments. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got to live my life the way it fits me. Yeah. You know? And I'm getting, I'm getting a better grasp on that as mm-hmm. well, because I always worry about what others may think or how right. if I'm doing it wrong. I, you can't do your own life wrong. Okay. Right. You have to I make, know. Like you have to, yeah. Well, because like, it it like, like at 25, you need to be like this at 30, like this at 35. And it's just like, well, leave me alone. <laughs> Shut up. Back on track. Uh, I do think Emmett is a little bit envious of this guy because he's making good money now and he definitely wants the freedom to come and go as he pleases. But that doesn't mean that he has to do it in this way, like living on his own. Like that's not the final step of qualifying as an adult, having your own place. 
Well, so we see Lindsay, and she is waiting up for Mel. It's late at night, and Mer- Melanie's coming in very late. And Lindsay asks, like, do you want some granola? Have you had anything to eat? And Melanie just snaps at her because she is upset that Lindsay is siding with Larry, Anna, Jeanette, and Brian. And she says that Lindsay betrayed her. But Lindsay doesn't back down. She's like, no, I have a right to my my thoughts and opinions on mm-hmm. this. And she tells Melanie that she's making it about her. And in a way, that is true. She is. It is. And the situation is bigger than her. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really want to help this case, you will step back. And you will give your feedback and your knowledge that you know to help them win this case. It's not about you. Yeah. You know, like, it's bigger than you. Yes. Yeah, well, she tells her, this is not about lesbian lawyers. <laughs> this is about a woman's son. And that's the bottom line. Remember, the father is an abusive alcoholic who, as far as we know, only wanted custody of this child just to punish his ex-wife. And so it should be about making sure this kid is safe, bottom line, like whatever it takes to make that happen. And Larry did go to Melanie in advance and say, hey, the judge has been switched. We probably need to think about doing this, like changing Mm -hmm. our strategy. So anywho, then we see Justin home and he's telling Daphne what happened with Chris Hobbs and uh, of course, Cody is there and she can't believe that they even tried to confront him. And Justin's upset with himself saying I was a coward. Like I just stood there. I didn't do anything. And I just don't think it's wise for him or Cody to be putting Justin in situations that reinforce ne- that kind of negative thinking. Definitely the negative thinking that has pushed him to act against his own moral code. Like we've been seeing here. Um, and Daphne can't believe that they've opened all this up again. And Cody says, well, it was never finished. And so it's like, no, we didn't open it up again. It was never finished. And Justin needs to go back and handle it like once and for all. He needs to go deal with it. Um, like, tell him, no, we got to go back. We got to, we'll find him. We'll go to his house this time. Okay. Um, it's a little bit of truth to that and a little bit of not like, yes, it was never finished. I think that chapter does need to be closed. As in, I think Justin does need to confront Chris, but on his own terms. It don't have to be something violent, you know, but it needs to be you need to be able to say what you need to say to get off your chest. Like like you said, he was he froze, you know, when he did see Chris at the hop, uh, um, at the hospice. But um, now I feel like you're in a better place. You should be able to voice those things because he's going to keep those bottled up. He's never going to get um, resolution if mm-hmm. he doesn't be able to address it. Yeah. But going to Chris's house, Chris's house, mm, that doesn't sound good. And then you telling him how to address him doesn't sound too good. You know, like, yeah. don't force it. That needs to happen, but not saying it needs to happen in this moment. Yeah, I agree that Justin needs closure, but I don't know about this being the way to get it. And I think if we saw Cody going after some of his own attackers or whatever, I might be willing to see why he's pushing this. Mm-hmm. But it's like he gets some weird satisfaction out of converting Justin on all of this. Yeah, I don't, I don't so, understand it. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe th- people think that I should be lecturing Justin a little bit more for following along with all this. And I do hold him at fault for the questionable actions uh, during all of this. But even though he thinks he's being strong, I think he's very vulnerable right now. And because while Justin is very strong-willed and independent in a lot of ways, when Justin is unsure, he always defers to whomever he feels to be an expert at the time and on that subject. Like when he was unsure about his relationship in season two, he deferred to Melanie and Lindsay and even Michael, people who he thought were in mature and loving and healthy relationships. And here he's wanting to deal with his rage and wanting to feel safe. And he's wanting to defend people who have been deemed defenseless. So he's been deferring to Cody, who showed up on the scene with a plan. 
um, with this righteous indignation. And so he's kind of deferring to to Cody on this. Yeah. And yeah. Cody brought awareness to some feelings that maybe Justin thought that he didn't have anymore. Right. That he thought they was buried. And once they started to kind of climb yeah. to the surface, oh, here happened to be Cody right mm-hmm. at the right time. Yeah. And so, yeah, you see why he latched onto that. And I don't think you should lecture Justin anymore. Uh, I'll have, we all have faith in Justin that he's a smart guy. I don't know how it turns out, how it ends, but I know that I'm I'm not too I'm I'm kinda like Brian. I'm not too, I'm worried but not too worried. Yeah. Because in the end, Justin always makes the right choices. Uh and it may not be like the best choice, but it's always a good choice, you mm-hmm. know. He's smarter than we, he we usually give on. finds himself. Yeah. yeah. He'll come back to himself exactly. usually. So I think we need to see him again get these emotions out, get this anger out, whether that's gonna be shooting at the gun range, um, you know, whether that's Punch, fighting, you know, at the yeah, little at gym the little or whatever ring, the case. Yeah. yeah, a little, um, what do you call it, boxing ring, doing that. But I think these emotions have to be processed because if you bottle them up, it's just going yeah, to continue to Yeah, that's what's rich. happened. They've been in a bottle yeah. for all this time. Yeah. Um. So then we go over to Babylon, and that's good because I kind of need to dance my cares away after everything that's Thanks. been happening And in that music episode. was fire. Yeah, it's a different lo- type of show. Yeah, I love this show going on there. It looks like Babylon has had a facelift, or in, unless we're they, a different, a different part of it. I, I was like, damn, we got a different room tonight. Yeah. Uh, well, Michael and Ben find Brian, and he's sitting alone, and uh, it seems he's had a few drinks. He tells them that he's there, he's been thinking, and they're like, in Babylon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the script says that Brian doesn't even notice the hot guys cruising him because right. he's, you know, his mind is, um, he's already thinking about what's going on with Justin. And, uh, you know, it seems like. Justin keeps driving Brian to the hard liquor. <laughs> like, uh, like, you're young and great. Yeah, well, we got to give Brian some better coping techniques. <laughs> like, he goes straight to shambles when something is going wrong that in his part. life. Definitely when it's about Justin. And to all the haters, don't take that to mean they're not good for each other. It, in <laughs> fact, I think it's the opposite, that Brian doesn't always know what to do with his very big feelings and emotions. So he does what he's always done to avoid them. Drinks, drugs, and dudes. Yes. <laughs> so... But right now, he, he didn't X out the drugs. He didn't X out the dudes. So he got the drink in his hand. Yeah. Uh, well, so he's there talking to Michael and Ben, and he's quoting some Shakespeare. Like, is it better to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or take arms and by opposing in them? And then Michael's like, uh, what now? <laughs> and uh, he says, well, you know, an eye for an eye or turn the other cheek, fight fire with fire or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Which one is it? And so he's saying, like, how do you respond in situations like that? Do you hit the person who hit you or do you just walk away? Because that, that's really the question with what's going on with Justin. He's trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, and Ben tells him, well, it depends on the circumstances. And Brian says, so you're saying there's no such thing as, uh, like, absolute right or wrong? That morality is merely a matter of circumstance? And I really love this scene because it's Brian trying to understand his partner. Mm-hmm. Um, he's trying to, like, he's been trying to dissuade Justin from all of this. Uh, and he tried to give him another way to channel his anger by telling him to you know put it into his art, which Justin did do, but that didn't solve the whole issue. <laughs> um, but here he is making an effort to understand what he's going through. And it's not the first time. Like, we've seen him do that before, that kind of stuff before. Like, when he talked to the therapist guy in season two when mm-hmm. Justin like didn't want to be touched and he tried hearing Justin out in 402 and so like he's made efforts before to try to understand right. him and yeah I love that he's actually you know putting forth the effort to you know get some clarity try to understand exactly what he's going through before judging and condemning you know mm-hmm. like I want to put myself in his shoes as, as close as possible you know and that's what he's doing and I think having this conversation with Michael and Ben they both well Ben 
Yeah, <laughs> very... mostly. Yeah, talking to boring Ben. Yeah. Brian's words, not mine. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, Ben is educated, and I think he thinks logically. And um, he, he, and he can get... look at it intellectually right. and not just get his feelings and emotions in it. He exactly. He can look at it intellectually. Because he's, he's not, like, deep in the situation. So I think it's a good little conversation to have, a little give and take. Mm-hmm. Brian breaks it down kind of like this. Say someone bashes you, nearly kills you. Does that give you the right to go out and do the same? Well, Ben and Michael initially both say no, because two wrongs don't make a right, and there are laws. But Brian counters, what if the law failed to protect you? What if the law doesn't care? And Michael says, in that case, you might have to take the law in your own hands, which that's one side of this argument. That's the side that Cody is taking, and then Justin also. But Ben says violence is never a moral option. And that's kind of the other extreme of this. Like, they're painting the two extremes, using Ben and Michael to do it, of course. Now, there's a lot of gray in between. (laughs) Brian says, but doing nothing and letting someone bash your brains is like, that's the moral option. And Brian says, again, this is from um, Shakespeare. Brian says, thus conscience does make cowards of us all. So I think that's from Hamlet. Um, But it's like we think ourselves out of bold action. We don't do what we may know to be necessary because we might think it's wrong. It's the necessary thing. But we're like, "Mm, I don't know, moral conundrum. What I also like in this scene is that it's second nature for Brian to defend Justin. We've kind of talked about that. He's clearly unsure on where to land on this. His primary concern is Justin's safety, but he gets that Justin is angry because you can tell how angry Brian is about the whole situation. He's angry that the law failed to punish Chris Hobbs and how law enforcement covered up Jason Kemp's murder and failed to prevent Darren's attack. So I think there's a part of Brian that that even if he doesn't like this for Justin, he can see where Justin is coming from. and. We've seen him do this before. I mean, just one example, he did this when Justin was doing the go-go dancing. Like He didn't agree with what Justin was doing, but he respected Justin's right to choose for himself. And I also like that we see Brian really having to think about this moral dilemma himself. Like, Brian is very smart, not just street smart, but intellectually. And he can see that this is not so simply black and white. Like, Justin might be the one taking questionable actions, but Brian is asking those questions himself. And that's a lot of heavy talk for Babylon. So Ben pulls Michael out onto the dance floor and he asks Michael about his book again. Like, did you really, did you really like it? Or no, like, come on, just really tell me what you think. Because after Hunter made his comment, right. now Ben's like, mm, maybe I should ask But I'm again. like, but we on the dance floor. Yeah. We're supposed to be enjoying uh, our time. Why are we talking well, about this book? Yeah, Michael tells him that some parts of it felt a little long. And he says that sometimes he didn't know where the story was going or what, or what the main character wanted. And I like that as this scene is going on, it goes back and forth like to that performance and those guys, and you mm-hmm. see them like punching Fighting. and kicking each other. Yeah, because uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it feels like verbal blows. Well, because Ben is not loving what Michael is saying, and he says, "Well, this isn't the place to talk about it." And Michael reminds him that he's the one who yeah. brought it up, and then he says he shouldn't have asked Michael to read it in the first place. He says. You don't exactly have a literary background. I, ooh. And I'm like, there's no need to get nasty on the dance floor. Not that kind of yeah, nasty. Yeah, that part. And he says, it's not your fault that you're more Justice League than Ivy League. Girl, I hollered. Okay. <laughs> like, boy, Ben read him down for filth. Yeah. Okay. Like, you asked me for my opinion, then you dragged me? Yeah. Like, girl, when he said, I'm sorry, you're more Justice League than <laughs> Ivy League, I was on the floor. I was done. Yeah, I mean, we see that's kind of like the TKO punch yes. is what we see in the, the performance on stage. Yeah. Uh, um, but, ooh, Ben, yeah. Mm-mm. Being wrong for that, girl. Yes, very girl, wrong. Don't ask me for my opinion if you're going to hit me with a couple of uh, uppercuts. Yeah, if you can't handle it, don't ask for it. Right. Well, the next morning... um. Melanie is still cold toward Lindsay, and so she's going to go out and check the mail, but Ted is at the door. 
because uh, they are the next stop on his apology tour. And uh, so she's walking with Ted because they're friends. And I like when we get to see scenes with the two of them. Mm-hmm. And Ted understands that she feels betrayed. So he's kind of listening to her like, hey, yeah, well, my situation at work after when I got fired, you know, at least I kind of knew it was because of this. And um, he's written a letter for, for them. And so he gives it to her and he tells her that he's written one for everyone except for Emmett because he can't quite find the words for that one, which I can see that one being hard. That should be the last one. Because yeah. he really needs to put some real heart and thought into that. Mm-hmm. And he needs to be humble and ready to apologize. Mm-hmm. Because and, he has yet to have a good interaction with him since right. all of this. Like mm-hmm. everybody else he's had good good interaction with, but not with Emmett yet. And I'm waiting for that storyline right there. I want to see them regain that friendship because it's hard. Remember I said in the very beginning when they started dating, like, I don't like this because, yeah. I mean, they are friends. What happens if this doesn't last? And, I mean, look. Look what happened. So, I mean, like, I want to see them get back to some type of normal. Yeah. Um, so Ted is telling her that his father had the serenity prayer taped to the refrigerator when he was when he was growing up. He says he saw it all the time and he knew it by heart, but it never meant anything to him until now. And so then he recites it. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that that applies clearly to Melanie's situation. Yeah, and anything, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a light bulb. all of them, yeah. I think. Yeah. That was the light bulb moment that she needed to hear. Like, it was something, so, he didn't even know that he was doing something. Right. And he was just reciting something that meant so much to him that he saw, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it, it just hit her. It hit her, hit her the right way. Because yeah. we will find out later, but it hit her the right way. Yeah. Uh, well, over at Kinetic, Brian arrives for work, and I love Cynthia. She's the kind of assistant who meets you at the door with all the pertinent information yep. and a cup of coffee <laughs> or whatever. She knows him. Yeah, and she tells him that there's a young woman in his office who says she knows him and needs to talk to him right away. And it's not Molly, like we were all hoping. She yes, has not been found. <laughs> I know, girl. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but it is Daphne, and he tells her that she's looking particularly enchanting today. And she tells Brian to hit on her later. So this must be serious mm-hmm. because... Usually, if Brian's just in the room she's with Daphne, it, yeah. yeah, she just melts into a puddle of goo. Um, but so she's got some important to talk to him about. And while she's talking to him, we see Justin back at their apartment, and he's staring at the target, thinking about Hobbs, thinking about how he should approach him, and just probably think all of the stuff, all right. the thoughts are flowing through him right now. And Brian does thank Daphne for stopping by, but. You can tell he's like this whole situation has him on edge because he has to stay loyal to Justin and try to defend his actions. But at the same time, he's worried and he can't show it. Mm -hmm. He's upset. She doesn't know the conversations that they're already having. Yeah. You know, like, yes, girl, I'm on the same page. But as you know, when Justin got his mindset, Justin has his mindset. I can't do anything. Yeah. That's what he says. Like, there's nothing I can do. And he doesn't want to talk about this. Yeah. Not even at work. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's got his own issues with it. And. You know, he's already stressed about it all and he's been powerless so far to stop him or to get through to him. And so he can't change it. And he's kind of struggling to find the serenity to change the fact that he can't change it. <laughs> uh, well, Daphne, Daphne says, can't you talk to him? And Brian says, I've been there and tried that and it hasn't done much good. And I think that he's showing a little bit of vulnerability around Daphne by yes. admitting his defeat in right. that. And I think that's a testament to how much he respects her and he knows that she loves Justin. Yeah. And so he's willing to allow her into that that part of his life, you know? And Daphne says, what happens if he gets into a fight or what if he gets hurt? Well, clearly Brian's already thought about that and he doesn't like thinking about that. Mm -hmm. But he says, well, at least he'll know he stood up, that he fought back. He didn't run away. 
And I think he realized that that is important to Justin right. now to be able to say, I did, I did stand up. I wasn't a coward. But it was hard for him to say that. Yeah. Because it, Brian doesn't think, like, that's not going to solve anything. No. And even if Brian tried to use those words to comfort himself, if something does happen to Justin, it's not going to work. No, it's not going to bring not. the comfort that no. he needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Daphne's not trying to hear that either. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But like you said, again, in this scene, we do see him defending Justin's right to take his own stance right. and to make his own decisions on this. And even though he doesn't like it, he's trying to offer some degree of acceptance right. of, okay, but this is what he's doing right this now. This is what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And back over at the apartment, we see that Justin has made some kind of decision. He doesn't talk, but you can just kind of see right. decision made. Well, over at Melanie's office, she stops in to tell Larry, Jeanette, and Anna that she understands their decision and she doesn't take it personally. She's willing to lend her support any way she can. because She knows how important this case is and she wants them to give it the best shot by any means necessary. Yeah. So, yeah, if that means I got to step aside, then that's what it means. Mm. Yeah. But I think that her storyline and Justin's are linked in a way. It's a question of what's, what is right based on the circumstances. Right. Like, should Melanie have to step down? No, she shouldn't. But the circumstances yeah, it, dictate that yeah, that's the what reality it has to is be. it has to happen that mm-hmm. way. You know? Yeah. And I love that she came to her senses. Like she knows that she has to put this, she has to put her friends and the child First, you Mm -hmm. know, and put her ego and pride to the side. Yeah. And I think the link with that is like, should the Pink Posse even be considering defending the streets of Liberty Avenue? Probably not. But the law has not come through for that community. Mm -hmm. So, again, circumstances have dictated that somebody's got to do it. At least that's how they feel. Um, But, yeah, I'm proud of Melanie. And Larry doesn't let her leave. He's like, hey, we will need your help. And your support on this case. So, I mean, they included her. She yeah. has inclusion inside the case. Well, that was always just, mm-hmm. Blair's intention. She but... just didn't want it. She couldn't see it at the moment. Yeah. You know, she mm-hmm. she felt betrayed. But, I mean, baby, in order for them to win this case, they're going to need you. Yeah. You're a fighter. You're a badass girl. Like, and you're going to deliver. But we got to have this face, mm-hmm. you know, out here representing so we can get the on the verdict that we need. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, we see Debbie home watching some TV and eating ice cream. And Emmett stops by. Because he also misses having someone to talk to and just sitting on the sofa with them and kind of gabbing all night. And it's cute, them sharing a pint of mint chocolate chip and watching the bad and the beautiful. And um, Debbie asks him about his last trick. And Emmett says, big um, equipment, but tiny brain. (laughs) Debbie says, yeah, that's the best kind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like you said, I do like like the two of them bonding together. They need each other right now. Mm-hmm. There was a spinoff proposed that it was Emmett and Debbie going off on this journey. Oh, together. yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, well, Michael comes home and he has picked up some food and Ben is there working on his boring book. And Michael tries to make him feel better. He's like, hey, I don't know the difference between a great book and a lousy one. And, you know, if I did, I would have gone to how- to Harvard or Yale instead of just doing a few months at community college. And I'm like, Michael, you don't have to make yourself small yeah, to make him feel better, but part. I appreciate what you're trying to do. Michael's a loving, a loving boyfriend. Like, yeah. He really, he really is. Yeah. Um, well, Ben says that he heard from the publishing company and they had the same notes that Michael had. Exact so, same notes. Yeah. So Michael was right. Uh, but that also means the publisher passed on it. So. Oh, sad. That's disappointing. But it wasn't ready yet, though. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't ready. And I'm glad somebody was honest with mm-hmm. him because their reputation was going to be at stake as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, disappointment of any kind is a blow. And definitely when it's on something that you've created and poured your heart and soul mm-hmm. and a lot of time into. So, poor Ben. But that don't justify you, 
Yeah, getting fly in the club. You, you read him down, okay? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think I could have even brought you food or even said something nice to you the way you read me. I mean, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't know if I could ever get over him. Baby, you're more Justice League than Ivy League. Yeah. Like, ooh. <laughs> them be fighting words. <laughs> Those are fighting words, yeah. Girl. Uh, well, then we see Chris Hobbs, and he is home after a long day of being a trash human being. And Cody and Justin hop out of the bushes on him, and Chris is like, what are y'all doing here? Leave before I call the cops. Yeah, he's not even afraid. Like, no, not at all. And Cody says they're not leaving until Justin gets what he wants. And Chris Hobbs, being his ever punchable self, what, says... you want to suck my cock? Yeah. <laughs> he, he probably would have let him. He would have. He probably would have <laughs> let both of them. You know, yeah. you're a cutie, so you come over here and you get on this nut. Yeah. Uh, well, Justin tells him to apologize. And Chris Hobbs is like, for what? What would I be apologizing for? And Justin says, for bashing me, for causing me brain damage and permanent injury, for giving me nightmares every night for two years. Like, this is something that we didn't know. Um, for filling me with fear every time I walk out the door, for treating me like a subhuman who doesn't deserve to live. And he says, well, that's what you are, Taylor. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to kick back and have a beer. And Cody repeats, tell him you're sorry. And he's like, get out of my way. Like. Not at all yeah, bothered like, by them. Fuck it. Yeah, like, fucking. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. I mean, they popped up out of the bushes at his house at night. I would he's be worried. Not, he's not even a little bit afraid. No, I would be worried. Like, how, yeah. for one, how do you know where I live? Yeah. And then, two, like, you came all the way and was waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Clearly some shit finna pop off. I would be worried. But he's not. And I think that goes back to what Cody was saying originally at the GLC. Like, they do this to us because they know we won't fight back. Like, mm-hmm. if Chris Hobbs had any real fear at all that they might hurt him, I don't think he would have had this much attitude in right. talking to them, but he doesn't see him as a threat because they've never been a threat. And that's what Cody has been trying to set out to change. Right. And so Chris Hobbs starts walking away and Cody gives Justin the gun and Justin follows after him. And he says exactly what Cody said they needed to tell people. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with me. Yeah. You know? And so Chris Hobbs turns and that's when he sees him with the gun. And now he's a little bit, he's a little bit scared. And Justin makes him get on his knees in front of him, and he puts the gun right to his forehead and demands that he say sorry. And then Justin makes him repeat every single thing that that he said. And then he makes him, like, put the gun in his mouth. Come through, Justin. And it's like, whoa. (laughs) This is escalating. Y'all know I always choose violence, okay? Like, this needed (laughs) to happen. This exchange needed to happen because Chris is the type of motherfucker who was never going to change, period. I show up to your job. You see, I'm still scared. And I'm asking you for an apology. You still call me all these horrible ass names. I show up to your house, waited on you. You don't have any type of fear. And you're still going at it. You know, like this needed to happen. I have to make, I have to knock you down. You're never going to humble yourself. So I have to knock you down, you know, and you got the right one today. (laughs) And, and he got to see how embarrassing that felt. How scary, how scary mm-hmm. it can feel in life when you don't know your every move. Anytime you turn around, someone could be there ready to beat your ass or even potentially kill you. You right. know, like, no, you're going to feel this today. Yeah. And it's what he says. Like, now you know what it feels like. That fear that gay men feel all of their lives walking down the street, holding hands because of people like you. And Justin says, we're tired of it. And it looks like you for a while you're like, is Justin going to go through with this? And Cody is begging him to pull the trigger. But Justin doesn't do it. He tells Hobbs to get up and go inside. And Cody is about to lose his mind. He calls Justin a coward. And he tells him that he's too chicken, too afraid. And he says, you could have ended it. And then he starts calling him all the words that he was beating people up for using. But what was what does that mean? Because remember the gun, he opened it and spun it. Yeah. And, I mean, was there a bullet in there? That's what I'm wondering. There like, must have been. 
Like, you can play Russian roulette? Like... I'm thinking, like, this is some crazy shit now. This is insane. Yeah. And, yeah, this man went on. I love how the show ended, and he was still going on that rant. Like, I mean, yeah. this man was going hard. Yeah, and I think, yeah. Justin uh, did what he needed to do, though. Yeah. Justin got his and that's closure. What, yeah, that's what, like, that's what I was going to say. Like, Justin did end it, for yeah. himself at mm-hmm. least. And, you know, even though Cody keeps rambling as he walks away, which we'll, we'll go back to that. And Justin didn't give no mind. Like, I mean, he walked but with his head high. There's like, one thing I have to say first. Like, I'm so glad Cody didn't shoot Justin because that's where I thought this was going to go. Right. When I first watched this episode, I thought he was going to be so mad at him and just come unhinged and, like, shoot Justin in the back is what I thought was going to happen. Oh, thank God. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel that at all. Like, thank God. I just knew, because I, I don't think Cody still wants to give up on Justin. Like, he thinks that maybe he still can control him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Although, Justin did walk off on him. Um... I didn't think Justin was going to get shot, but now you're thinking about it like, this motherfucker crazy. Girl, he could have. He could have. He is very crazy. Yeah, he's crazy. Um, Yeah. But uh, if he would have, I would have to do something very violent to Cody. (laughs) But anyway. We will find you. We will find you, Cody. Um, But yeah, I already know that people probably hate that Justin went that far. And do I love it for him? Like, maybe not. But I do think that parts of this exchange needed to happen. And reluctant though I am to admit it, I don't think the necessary parts would have happened had Justin not had that gun in his hand and felt the strength of that. And I think what's most important here was just acknowledging the true effects of his bashing. Like I think him naming every single thing that he suffered as a result and admitting that he wasn't fine afterwards. Like I think in some ways he's still not fine, but I I do think it was very, it was very important for Mm -hmm. him to acknowledge and speak all of those things to the person who caused it. So that's the part of this that I think that was very good and in some ways very necessary. But also, I'm not going to pretend that I don't think it was necessary to Justin to make Hobbs feel that fear. Like you were saying, like I do think Justin felt like that was necessary. Like Hobbs has to feel yeah. this fear. And the direction in the script says that Hobbs' hand is shaking when he's trying to go, when Justin finally is like, go in the house. I wanted to see him stand up and he had piss down his pants. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, I know. <laughs> but like, it was crazy. about putting him in Justin's shoes and making him yeah. walk a few steps. So he could, like, Justin told him, like, every day, this is how we feel when we hold hands. Yeah. Not like just like when we're kissing, but walking, just breathing, holding hands, you know, being in our own area. We yeah. feel this. And I want you to feel the exact same and let you know that it don't matter where you are, baby. I can be anywhere. I can pop out of the bush anywhere on yeah, your ass. Yeah, well, okay? it's like, imagine what it's like to feel that yeah. all the time, every day. Yeah. But I know some people don't want this for their gratuitous man sex show, but I, this is the hard-hitting honesty that we always talk about with this show. And even when it makes me uncomfortable, I feel like I'm more informed after having seen it. Because remember what Darren said, he wanted to happen to his attackers. And like, that was not an easy pill to swallow. No, not at all. But he had just been severely beaten because of blind homophobia. And so that's how he felt. Yeah, I mean, just kind of some of the stuff that you've been saying and then just like what I hear around me from people who talk about what it was like growing up being in the closet and having a fear of being found out or people who were out and they were bullied mm-hmm. and they were hoping that in, that the violence they experienced never escalated beyond a few bruises and scrapes. But I think until you live with the fear of being the object of not just one person's hatred, but a whole huge segment of mainstream society, like you won't understand this. Until you live with that fear all the time, you won't understand what pushed a Cody or a Justin to something like this. Mm-hmm. And not to say that everyone will or should take it to this extreme, but I think for people who are able to tap into that fear, it's a bit easier to see why it went this far. Justin found the strength that he needed, um, and some might say it's messed up how he found it, but facing and conquering his fear in this way might have brought him the closure that he needed. 
Because when he's walking off at the end of this episode, we hear him just kind of breathing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like a labored breath. It was or... his release. Mm-hmm. Like he got it off his chest. Mm-hmm. He no longer needs Cody anymore either. You know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the relationship, but in my eyes, that's done. Yeah. You know, like he he doesn't need him anymore. Cody stood there, wanted something more to happen. Justin let it go. Like that weight is now lifted. And now I can start my healing process. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I think from the whole Pink Posse arc, and then like we said, we'll see what's to come. But I think the point of including that was to validate the outrage and to show what could happen mm-hmm. if people did tap into that outrage. And, and I also think if you're going to have this show where you cover all of these issues that happen in the community, you cover H- HIV, you, call, you cover bathroom stings, you cover gay men being accused of pedophilia just because they're gay men, you, you, lesbian motherhood, like safe sex, all this stuff. If you're going to cover all those issues of the community to not address the fear and the anger associated mm-hmm. with that, I feel like you would be telling a false story or you wouldn't be telling the truth. And that's their whole commitment is to the truth. Well, this show, again, as we always say, like they have the best writers. Like they were so tapped in into real life, tapped in into the scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, they really good, really did a a great, excellent job at portraying real life situations and and through these characters. So, I mean, like big ups to y'all. We say it all the time. Y'all really, really slayed this script every single episode. It's not not one that y'all did not deliver. So Mm -hmm. they killed it. Yeah, and I always like entertaining and educating uh-huh. at the same time, and I really, I really value that. It's thought provoking, provoking. Like mm-hmm. they always make you think. It's never something that's cut and dried. It's always many different avenues where you can, you know, observe it and, and analyze the situations. Mm-hmm. And it gives, it gives, uh, it also gives you um, room and space for others' um, opinions as well. Like right. I'm not going to always have the same opinion that you're going to have, you right. know. But it, it sparks a debate, and mm-hmm. that's what I love about this show and the writing of this show. Yeah. All right, so well, that is uh, that is uh, 405. Yes, and this episode, we definitely want to hear y'all thoughts on this one because this one was not filled with sex or anything like that. It was some serious um, serious conversations that popped in it, some lighthearted things, but we want to hear y'all's situation on the Justin Cody and Chris Hop situation. So y'all get active with us, okay? I want to see those pins, and I want to see those um, those fingers to type in. We <laughs> yeah. want the feedback. All right, guys? Yeah. Um. And I will. there's some stuff that I want to talk about, and maybe maybe we'll just include it on Patreon. So okay. With a little bit of stuff that I learned in researching the Pink Posse arc. So maybe I'll just put it over on Patreon. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. So y'all, uh, um, for you guys who don't already know that we do have our Patreon up. And, um, yes, we have special editions, you know, a little um, sidebar conversations. Fun little games that we also throw on there as well. Um, so you guys are interested. We would love to have you guys enter our back room. Yeah, that's patreon.com slash Liberty Diner Dish. There How it you is. Find that? There it is. All righty, guys. Well, we love you. And until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.